Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. We're your hosts for this week, FG Deputy Editor Olivia Midgley and Over the Farm Gate's finest, Jez Fredenberg. In a moment, I'll hand over to Jez, but just a quick reminder to subscribe on your favourite platform to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello everyone, I'm Jess Redenberg and this week we're talking about how farming can feed and protect the world, the theme for this month's FG Farming Can campaign. In a moment I'll be having a chat with Stuart Roberts, mixed farmer and deputy president of the NFU. We'll be roving around all sorts of big issues including how to explain what farming delivers to a non-farmer, whether food production is a national health service in its own right, and whether it's time for the farming industry to step into the discussion about poverty in the UK. These are all really, really big issues, so please stay with us for that. First, though, FG business reporter Hannah Bind has been speaking to Michelin-starred chef Simon Rogan about the importance of linking farming and cooking. Simon is the founder of a number of restaurants, including his flagship one, L'Enclume, in the Cartmel Valley in the Lake District, and grows as much produce as possible on a local farm to supply his restaurants. His farm-to-table approach has been awarded a green Michelin star recently. Here he is to explain more. The restaurant, I suppose, is renowned for, you know, very much being connected um, to its surroundings. We're in probably one of the most beautiful areas to, to live, live and work in, in, in the UK. And the, the larder around us, the wild larder, should I say, around us is, is plentiful. So there's very much the emphasis on that. British ingredients, uh, especially long plume, we limit ourselves to the larder of our local area. So we don't use any foreign ingredients at all. And how has the first few weeks been, being back open? Yeah, hectic. Yeah, really, really busy. And what does the Green Michelin Star mean to you and the team? Well, it means it means the world. I mean, it's a, it's a massive achievement. Why is it so important that the food industry recognises and celebrates this award? You know, we are facing climate disaster if major changes aren't, aren't made within the food system. And as, as, as a chef, you know, who's, who's you know... At a certain level, at the top of the customer tree, you know, we've got a responsibility to, to lead those changes. And you know, practicing good sustainability can have a big impact on our planet in, in, in loads of ways, reducing a restaurant's impact on the environment, less waste, saves money. I think customers are more 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 interested in these things um, recently as well, you know, and attracted to businesses that show a greater understanding of sustainability. Have you found consumers more... Um, deciding to dine somewhere because they know that the food on the menu's got lower food miles. Have you seen that kind of decision-making? I think so. I think so. I think that's very much why Longcombe is... Well, all our restaurants in Cumbria, uh, because they all share the same ethos. And and we're all really, really busy, and I I think people are coming to us because, like I say, we are so connected to our surroundings. Something that's grown literally two minutes away from the restaurant mm-hmm. that was growing in the ground five minutes ago is now on their plate. You know, it's, 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 it's that, that fresh and, and, and that amazing. So the farm that we actually lease the land off is, is, is 80 acres in total. So yeah. um, we, <laughs> we're nowhere near that yet, but uh, the way it's going with uh, our plans for livestock and, and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, could, it could take over that whole farm, yeah. Do you think there's an opportunity for farmers at the minute to tap into the sustainability message and highlight their role in that? Oh, definitely. And I think, I think it's already begun. You know, I think, I think guys now are really looking at what they're doing and realising about, you know, 
doing things the right way. Um, people are really tapping into it now, and uh, I think it's it's going to be a movement which is really going to grow grow quickly. And there's really passionate people out there that, that really care about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we can work together to really, really educate people about this is this is the way forward and the way to go. That was Chef Simon Rogan. Connecting with people makes us who we are, and we want to connect with you. Over the next few weeks, catch our Connected Stream series on Lama365.com to find out about the people of Crone, who we are, what we do, and why we do it. Join us every Friday on Lama365.com to catch the latest episode. Now let's welcome Stuart Roberts, mixed farmer and deputy president of the NFU. And we're going to get stuck into some big issues. So here we go. So Stuart, this is going to be a bit of a wide ranging subject here, isn't it? I think that we're talking about. So I know that you you like to think outside the box. So I'm really excited to, to hear what you've got to say on this one. And we will, to listeners, we will kind of rave around a bit. So bear with us, but it should be quite quite interesting, I think. So let's let's kick off with if you were down the pub and you were having to explain to somebody, you know, farming can feed and protect the world to a non-farmer, you know, what would you say? How would you explain it? For me, I think farming at its very heart delivers so many positive things for society. So first of all, the, the role, and I fundamentally believe this, the role of farmers is we were put on earth to to feed an urbanized population that can't feed itself so actually what what more pleasure is there than the delivering you know to most people most of the days three times a day the the vital nutrients the phenomenal food that that puts on their plate so that's the first thing farmers do and we should never let people forget that but also and particularly actually over the last year i think we've seen this that that iconic landscape of of this country um, that's produced is maintained is delivered was built by by today's farmers and by previous generations we protect biodiversity we look after the environment. You know, we deliver so many things. I, I, I struggle to think of, of any other sector of the economy that delivers as much to farming. But, and there is a but here, Jess, we've not been very good, actually, at doing the, uh, the bit of going to the pub and telling people about that. So actually, people just expect food to be on their plates. People just expect the tapestry that is the British countryside to look like it does. And, uh, and we need to do more of those those pub talks, as as you described. But yeah, Christ, we deliver lots. And I'm sure we'll pick up more detail on this as we go through this morning. Why is it important that um, people really recognise the possibilities that farming holds to provide what you've just talked about in terms of food and public goods? So bearing in, bearing in mind that we're at a bit of a crossroads, aren't we, with what we actually need farming to deliver right now? I think, uh, so first of all, I think um, any sector of the economy, actually, I don't think this is unique to farming, needs to demonstrate to society what it delivers for them, how it's in tune with society's values. So that's a big reason why uh, the aspiration to get agriculture to net zero is so important, not because it's just that it is the right thing to do, but it's also because that's what 
society expects of us. And if we don't demonstrate to society how we're meeting their needs, meeting their values, meeting their aspirations, then actually I really fear for any uh, industry, any business that isn't able to demonstrate that. But there's also the, the, the other big bit at the moment with agriculture policy uh, and the funding of agriculture policy now coming back home to the UK after Brexit, we're going to need to demonstrate why uh, we are worthy of that investment. But I also think it is that much wider bit. Yeah, if we expect consumers to back British farming, it's us that has to demonstrate that. But my God, we deliver more than anyone else. And 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 we need to, to do that to make sure that, that ultimately, actually, when people make conscious decisions in a supermarket or in a restaurant or somewhere else, that at the back of their mind, they're not just buying those six eggs or that loaf of bread or that pint of beer. They're also contributing to all the other things that, are, that effectively are intangible at the moment that British agriculture delivers for them. There are undoubtedly areas for improvement, though, as well, aren't there? I mean... You know, what would you say those are? And, and would you say that farming as an industry is getting better at, at recognising that? Because I think, I feel like there has been a bit of a, a feeling sometimes of um, uh, being defensive about, you know, about what, what farming can do better and maybe where it does fall down a little bit. You know, what's your take on that? I, I think it's a really good point. And I think we have been defensive. I think um, we've also not been very open. So actually, and 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 I, I as you know, I used to be in the uh, in the meat industry, and actually, there's quite a similar analogy there. So, so people are very critical of the meat industry, um, and that's I think partly because they've been really closed and they haven't been transparent. So therefore, people. People don't know what goes on in a in a meat factory, right? They see a big grey box and they imagine what goes on in that big grey box because nobody's going to show them. And people's imagination makes things worse. And in some ways, there's there's similarities with farms. So if we're not going to let people know what's happening on a farm, if we're not going to show them what happens on the farm, then actually they will believe and they will imagine. Uh, things and and they will and your imagination will always make things worse. And and. Farming's got some challenges, but I also think we ourselves have not recognised where things have been wrong in the past. And, and actually, in the past, we have probably overused chemistry. We probably have uh, damaged biodiversity. And actually, we were, we were arguably incentivized to do that because actually where we were was about whole-scale increasing of food production. Uh, it was where public policy was. But actually, that was left behind at least one generation ago, if not two. Every farmer I know these days is actually planting hedgerows, not pulling them out. They are using as little chemical as they possibly can. They are using it as a last resort. They are animal welfare is one of their highest priorities. But we ourselves haven't created a narrative that said, that was then and this is now. We've all got a responsibility to, to demonstrate to the British public that we are absolutely in tune with what they expect of a modern, progressive, responsible industry. No, I think, I think you're right. And I think just touching on what you're saying about responsibility and society and farming and, and all those kind of intersecting there, I just want to talk a little bit more about food now specifically. Um, do you think, in your opinion, is food a national health service? 
like the provision of food, <laughs> the growing of that's food. That's a that's a that's a great question, and and too often we uh, we see the health industry, if you like, or, or health and food as two totally changeable things. For me, um, I think food can have some big impacts on the health service, and actually, you look at uh, some of the. The, the, the disconnection we've had with food, some of the big health problems we've got, whether that be uh, obesity uh, or whether that be uh, some of the other challenges, but also a healthy diet, looking at nutrition properly. I think actually agriculture is at the absolute founding point of human health. And I think what we need to do, and we talk about sometimes the sort of the public money and public goods, and then we talk about the money we put into the health service, we never talk enough about how can we use food to effectively um, offset funding in the NHS. And I think actually we look at school food, we look at, at lots of areas. I think there's a huge, huge opportunity here, but we've got to start connect things up. So at the moment, what we do is we have agriculture and food policy. Uh, we then have an NHS, which is actually about fixing people. At the moment, it's also about preventing things. And it absolutely is about. But if you put some NHS money into prevention through nutrition, then actually you could have some really big things. But farmers have also got to see ourselves as the provider of nutrients. And I, I absolutely. And I think you made a really good point about the need to join things up here, like join dots up really, because, you know, if farming is providing food. Like food is, I mean, I think by its definition, very social, political, it's economic, it's environmental, it's all these things. And at the moment we don't really have policy that that sort of helps join those up and one thing I was going to ask is you know if farming is being expected to um, deliver on you know tackling climate change and and big issues like that can it actually really ever do that if we don't tackle if the UK does not tackle poverty because we've we've kind of got a situation where food is uh, food has become so cheap and it has it has been pushed pushed to its limits, hasn't it? Of, of of like how cheap it can get, and farmers have had to really sort of um, deal with that themselves and absorb a lot of that themselves. And it gets to a point where how you know how cheap can it really get? And actually, like, are we just ignoring the actual issue here, which is that there's a, a, a huge section of society that can't afford food in general, and it's not that no, food I... is not cheap enough. It's that there's a big section of society that does not have a decent income. Yeah, look, Jez, you've um, you've hit on an absolutely enormous point here, and and um, it's one of my big frustrations. I, I hear a lot about food poverty. Okay, people throw around this word food poverty. The reality is, I don't think there is such a thing as food poverty. Okay, we have the third most affordable food in the world in this country. What we have is poverty, exactly, uh, and we have massive inequalities in society. And actually, they, those things happen to manifest themselves in food because actually, food is the thing that we have to have as human beings. So therefore, it is the thing that gets front and centre of those people in society who who are really suffering. And and we have a, an obligation to to afford to to provide 
affordable, nutritious food that is also doing those other aspirations for society, such as climate change, et cetera, as you said. But, but actually, the issue of, of solving uh, the, 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 the issue around poverty is not around food. It's actually around how we, do, the, the, we tackle um, society poverty, how we tackle massive inequality, how we tackle the polarisation, which is a, another angle to that as well. I think it's, it's really easy sometimes to blame it on food. But you're right, food. I think it is phenomenal value in terms of what we can deliver, if you like, in terms of nutrients and the intangible benefits of food. But that doesn't mean that there aren't people who really struggle to put food on their plates. I was, I went and, and spent some time, I spent a bit of time over the last few years with, with a few food charity. There's a company that I've met a few times it's called Company Shop. Um, and they've also got a, a side part of that, which is called Community Shop. And what they've done is they're not a food bank, so they don't give away food. But what they do is they have massively reduced prices in a effectively a small supermarket. They built these in in communities of huge uh, deprivation. Some of the, I'll be very honest, as a as a middle class South of England bloke, um, I probably didn't either didn't realise these communities existed or didn't want to realise they existed. These are um, some of the poorest people in societies. Anyway, I'm in this, this community shop and uh, I was talking to this lady who was just coming out, mum of two, and I said, oh, what, have you, what have you bought today? And she said, oh, it's, it's wonderful. This, this place has changed my life. I came in with, uh, with two pounds. And I've bought myself a couple of jacket potatoes. I've bought myself a can of beans. I've bought a loaf of bread. Uh, and I've managed to, to get some toilet roll. And I'm thinking, right, I'm going uh, to push this a bit further. So oh, so you've got beans on toast for, for dinner. She says, yeah, I'm going to give the kids beans on toast for dinner uh, tonight. And tomorrow night, I'm going to give them uh, jacket potato and beans. So I say, well, if you're giving them beans on toast tonight and jacket potato and beans tomorrow night, I can clearly see why you need the toilet roll. Um, to which she turned around and said, and I never even had even thought about this. She says, yeah, the reason I got the toilet roll is so I can make sure that I'm not hungry. So oh, she gosh. eats the toilet roll. And apparently this is quite a well-known thing. I was, it was explained to me once before that actually toilet rolls are really good at filling you and basically making you not feel hungry. To be in a society where that is a, a choice that anyone has to make, I just think is, is unbelievable. And I think for me, that sums up. The issue is not food poverty. The issue is not food prices. The issue is poverty itself. Now, that's a, an issue that is way outside of agriculture and way outside of, of the farmer's guardian. But, but it's an issue that is at the absolute core of how we, we ensure that a food industry is, is, is relating to every part of society, including those parts of society that, that, that lots of farmers have, have not realised existed, actually, or who have not wanted to realise they exist. If, like you say, if this is absolutely core, this is a core issue to, to farming and the, and the food system, then actually does farming as an industry need to try and tackle this a bit more? I, I don't mean, because I think what's happened is that farming has become responsible for uh, making, making food incredibly affordable 
which obviously, obviously food needs to be affordable, right? But what it's done is that um, the onus of being able to afford food or not has been put onto farming and the food system rather than onto government, um, which again, which is what we've been talking about, which is an issue of, of poverty here. So the way, the way I'm sort of thinking of this is if farming is going to have to deliver on things like climate change and other public goods, that is all going to cost a lot of money and it all makes it quite difficult to potentially keep food prices where they are or drive them down any further, let's say. So with that in mind, you know, how, you know, should farming as an industry be really actually pushing government to deal with this massive issue? Because if we, if we assume that, like we've just said, food and society and, and poverty and economics are all in one bundle, how can you actually deal with one without the farming industry saying, hey, guys, actually, um, there's another issue here that, you know, if you want us to deliver on all these things, you need to really do something about this massive issue. I think you've set the farming industry a really difficult question there, uh, Jez. My immediate sh- very short answer is yes, I think we do need to do more in this area. And look, cheap food policy is a decades-old policy, okay? This is, this is not something new. But what a cheap food policy does is it doesn't ever show the real cost of that food. So it doesn't show the environmental cost of that food. Um, you know, cheap food that's imported from somewhere else in the world that doesn't comply with our own standards here is actually not showing the real cost of that food. And to some extent, the same issue is highlighted that because you've, you're right, as you've driven down, uh, if you like, the price of food, you have arguably made it more affordable. I'm not saying it's affordable for all, but you've made it more affordable. And therefore, actually, we've effectively picked up and it's very hard, an element of a, almost a cost transfer from, uh, from the social security budget to, to agriculture's P&L, if you like. Uh, um, and also how, the food, how food supply chains have structured themselves has also meant that actually it's not the entire food industry that's picked up lots of this. The economics of farming and the economics of food supply chains are it ends up back on the farm. So actually, we as farmers have absolutely and and let's not pretend there isn't a dose of uh, a large dose, I suspect, in some parts of the world of of that poverty manifesting itself in the rural community. This is not just in urban communities. This is rural communities. This is farmers ourselves, you know. So, yes, we should be potentially investing here. But I think we also need to look at different scenarios. We talk a lot about um, farm subsidy. I think actually elsewhere in the world, it it can be done different ways. So actually by uh, effectively putting that subsidy uh, to those consumers that need it, so those that are, are in poverty, for example, but it can only be spent on certain aspects of food, which actually are delivered by British farmers. And, and I think actually you can end up with some quite interesting discussion. But it does mean thinking totally differently about how we, we where we apply levers in the, the food supply chain. So actually, a system that was able to help those that are uh, the poorest in society access more fresh fruit and veg and therefore drive 
if you like, demand for great British fresh fruit and veg can help farmers, but it can also help those in society who need access to it and who can't afford it. We can get very middle class about the discussion. And, and I get so frustrated with people who say that, you know, those in society who can't afford food are actually spending their money on cigarettes or on beer or on Netflix subscriptions. I, I think that's absolute rubbish, actually. I think those that are uh, really struggling in society are possibly the people who make the most of their food, actually. I've certainly seen some communities who, you know, they do go. We, we talk about how, uh, you know, a chicken used to last you for three or four days. Those families are doing that. The problem is, have they got the money to buy the chicken on the first day because they're living from day to day to day? Uh, if we can play a role in, in helping those parts of society, ultimately it helps farming because farming is delivering the building blocks for good nutrition. Looking ahead then, how do you think farming will change in terms of if it can, you know, to continue feeding feeding and protecting the world, how do you think UK farming will will need to change in the future? What would it look like? <laughs> You're frowning at me. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I, I wish your listeners could see my face when you ask that question because it, it's pretty much an impossible question to answer. I think we will see a farming industry that continues to be more open, that continues to be more transparent, that continues to better articulate um, what we deliver uh, because I think today's generation are doing it much better than the previous generation and I can certainly see the next generation doing it way better than, than I am and, and this generation. We have some of the best soils. We have a maritime climate. We have access to fresh water. So therefore, if we should be producing food anywhere on the planet, this is one of the places. The UK is absolutely one of the places we should be doing it. And arguably, I think we should be doing more of the heavy lifting for the entire world, because I think there's place, other places where we shouldn't be producing as much food, but we should be here. Uh, and we need to be able to articulate that. But I also see the, the, a farming industry that will finally be seen, and I do think it will be seen, as an intrinsic part of the health service, an intrinsic part of human health, for what it delivers against a modern society's values. And if it does that, then actually British agriculture can go a very, very, very long way. Thanks to Jez and to Stuart and of course Hannah and Simon there. Great insight into the ethos of a Michelin starred restaurant with sustainable food production at its core and really critical point there from Stuart about agriculture being the founding block of human health in terms of health and nutrition. You can find lots more information about the Farming Can campaign, plus lots of resources and graphics to share on social media. Just head to fginsight.com forward slash farming can. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. But until next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.